We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday evening Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am not Jeff Erickson. Jeff is on vacation this week. Well-deserved break, as they say. Some graduation stuff, some fun stuff. Good for Jeff. But Fred's here. Fred's a trooper. He's toughing it out. I guess this is our yearly, uh, once a year we get to do this. No, Jeff seems to, uh, it's usually around this time, looking at our old emails. It was around this time last year that we... uh, what we, we we got to hook up and do this uh, do this so glad to talk to you got to see you right in uh this past spring that's right or, yeah yeah you were out made it out to tell wars finally or not you finally but yeah we finally made it live that's right uh fun. yeah yeah you're right that we do seem to be on around this time every year i think jeff's on a vacation i think he might be in hawaii or something like that yeah uh, i'm pretty sure so good for him um i don't have much of a life so i seem to make it on <laughs> basically every week so that's both it's maybe bad for me but good for the listeners or maybe bad for the listeners maybe bad for everyone but uh anyways i'm here to help as best i can there we go well his younger daughter just graduated it's been a busy busy week yeah. busy month for mr erickson and yeah good good good, good for him i uh, filled in on serious today and i'm doing thursday's pod with my special guest tristan cockroft oh wow so That's yeah well one. yeah you know well you know once we you know we get we get the big guns i don't know if he'll sing I don't, I don't know he if I'll should, get. I don't know if I should because we get denied that now. Like I used to listen to Tristan and Eric all the time <laughs> and listen to Tristan sing. That's why, maybe not. That's well, it wasn't Tristan. It was Matthew and Nate way back in the day. Right? Oh yeah, that was like my the fantasy four one one. Now I'm deviating already. Was my first that I would listen Mike to on Corey. like my on like an iPod like before I had an iPhone, and. um but Nate and Matthew were probably right there with it as the first ones I listened to. And then, yeah, eventually Tristan and Eric and yeah. Anyways, good for, that's awesome. Getting Tristan on. I'll listen to that for sure. Yeah. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think he is actually doing Justin Mason's podcast earlier that day. Okay. So hopefully he'll still have a voice left, but anyway, so uh, we got a bunch of talking points about the game, about what's going on today. Some interesting news. I did want to ask you one question. I've, I've been talking to some people, uh, you know, not on a podcast, but I'm just curious to hear what people, what is your, how, what do you, the pitch clock and enjoyment of the ball games and both as a fan and as an analyst, what, you know, where, where are you right now? Two and a half months into the, I'm still going to call it an experiment. Okay. I love it. So I, I am a very efficient person who likes okay. to, 
get things done and keep things moving in life. Uh, so the pitch clock to me makes me enjoy baseball more. It just okay. keeps it, it keeps it moving. I love my baseball. I don't need the long, super long pauses. Um, there, there are very few times where the pitch clock, okay, wait, the pitch clock influences the game because it influences the player's ability to do their jobs. But it, there are very few times where it directly impacts the game as in we walk a batter because of the pitch clock, like things like that. So um, I really like the pitch clock. I actually like the new rules in baseball generally a lot. Um, I like seeing the steals back up. I think it hasn't dramatically changed the game, but it's added a little more of a speed component again. Um, I like the runner on first base, or sorry, on second base in the 10th inning. I know a lot of purists don't like that, but again, I'm pretty efficient. Um, I just, you know, NFL has a 10-minute overtime. In hockey, in the regular season, it's a five-minute overtime. Um, basketball is different because basketball rarely goes too long in overtime because of all the scoring. But right. um you know, as much as I enjoy the odd four and a half hour, five hour baseball game over the years, six hour baseball game. Oh, look at this thing's 19 innings. Um, I don't know when I, when we get to the 10th inning of a baseball game, like I'm good. Let's put a runner on second and let's settle this thing. You still have to hit, you still have to move runners over, whatever you still have to pitch. Like, like I think it's good. So I actually like this year's baseball setup more than I like more than, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say more than I thought I would. I thought I would like it, but I, I really like it. Well, that, I mean, it's you know, obviously an opinion, right? Yeah, and I, yeah, I, 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 I mostly agree. I'm, I'm not with you on the on the runner on the the ghost runner, zombie runner, mm -hmm. but I, I, I mean, I, I mentioned I said I wouldn't make any eloquent comments, but not not asking an opinion, a, a yeah. judgment. But I think there are some pitchers that might be not adjusting. Yep. Is it on them? Uh, I my my I guess what I was thinking about this evening is what are we down to about two and a half hours something yep. of that nature. Yep. I don't think I don't think another fifteen minutes would take away what everybody thinks is good. And doing a little back of the envelope math because that's you know that's what I do. Uh -huh. Say there's three hundred pitches in a game. Uh -huh. Let's add three seconds to the pitch clock. That's uh -huh. nine hundred seconds. That's fifteen minutes. And there's not 300 pitches in every game, and it's every every pitch is not going to take an extra three seconds. So I just I wonder if that would min eliminate or minimize some of the effort that isn't up to 100 percent because of the shorter recovery, et cetera. On the other hand, maybe it's on the athlete to get in better shape yep. or whatever it may take to be able to do the job quicker. So I mean, there's there's things that I think there's things that go both ways, but I just I think that's why I called an experiment. You don't have to end the times at with a with a zero or five, right? It's all yep. electronic. You can yep. go 18, you can go 23. So I'm curious to see what MLB does in that regard, or if they just okay, it's fine. We're not going to change the rules because one one or two or three pitchers that we know of can't adjust. Let's not knee jerk mm -hmm. for them when it's working for the greater good. So. I, what I do like, well, all right. What I don't like is, uh, when when my when my early games are over, and I like to watch San Diego because I like doing it. So games end so early. I want there's nothing on TV to watch. What am I going <laughs> to do? West well, Coast games. Well, when even I'm a, I'm a night owl, even though okay. when they're over, what am I? You know, I'm used to I'm used to be up till one thirty. However, 
as someone who updates a database every day with projections and this and that, I love to be able to dump the stats in the night before right. and not have to take 45 minutes in the morning. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's beautiful. I get to dump them all in there. So I, if it didn't, if it wasn't so forced, that's, that's my biggest argument or I just, I wish some of these things were organic, but on the other hand, the players brought it upon themselves. Right. I mean, right. by abusing the, the rules as far as getting back in the box, et cetera. They brought it upon themselves. Mm-hmm. And you can't leave it up to the umpire. You know, all right, he's been out too long. You have to give him boundaries. You have to give him times. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't like, all right, let's, I think you've been out of the box too long. I'm going to call a ball. You, you have to have times. You can't leave it subjective like that. So anyway, no, that's good. I'm, I, I, I'm mostly okay with it. Um, but what I don't like, and I've, maybe this is just me getting old. Some of these commercials, they're just being disingenuous as far you know. There's so much more action. No, it's actually less action. It just occurs a little quicker, a little more frequently. <laughs> a little there's bit more... of action we have. Yeah. 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 And, you know, time, this right? is the game that everybody wants. No, not everybody. We didn't all want it. I agree with you on steals. I wish it was. It's still not the run matrix, still, you know, you still have to follow the run matrix. Uh, did you happen to catch. You know Cyrus's piece in the Athletic about strikeouts. I did not. Okay, no. it just basically, um, even with you know, the strikeouts, this is why I was speaking with the action. It, they're just still high. You know, they're still really, really high. Oh yeah, yeah. And even with the new rules, at least right now, the math says continue to lock the ball. Whether that continues to be that way or not, I don't know. Uh, move the mound back. Then you're not going to do any of that. I think you have to move all the fences back, but. You're not going to do that either. So no, and the league, but the league may not be done tweaking. Maybe there'll be other little tweaks. We'll yeah, see along the way. Um, but I think so. You're someone. Well, you watch baseball as much as anyone watches baseball. Uh, I wouldn't say I watch baseball probably as much as you, but I do watch baseball pretty much every day to some amount. You know, it depends right. on my kids and what time right. I have and everything. Um, if you watch baseball every day, like I just don't need three hour and fifteen minute games. Like I just don't like. Like I expect because it's it, so I don't mind when football games run a little long because they're kind of on once a week. Uh, baseball games like right, like I don't mind two and a half hours because I'm going to come right back and watch another game in 20, in less than 24 hours. In fact, or when that game ends, I might roll into another game. So I don't mind. Uh, yeah, just the action being a little more condensed, and I do like if it does bring an athleticism component into it where pitchers get fatigued and need to be in a little better shape or, or whatever, I am okay with that. Um, you know, we see that in all kinds of other sports where the game is moving along and you see a team can't rush the passer in football because the, the team's moving the ball and the right. pass rushers, they got their hands on their hips and they're tired. And you're like, Oh man, if that guy could have a little extra time, he could put up a great pass rush next, next play. Oh, but he can't because there's a clock moving and he doesn't have time and he's tired. So get in better shape or get substituted or whatever. So that's the sport. I think we'll just get used to this, that this is a part of the sport. And um, sometimes the pitchers get maybe sped up and they would love to catch their breath and they can't as much as they want to. And then they get shelled maybe, but that's the sport, you know, Uh, as Corey Schwartz used to say, now that we're talking about old podcasts, it's a zero sum game for every pitcher who gets lit up. A couple hitters get some extra hits or an extra home run. So it's a zero sum game for every, every person who's hurt by these new rules, every Alec Manoa type, there's uh, there's someone who's helped by it. Yeah, we thought we were going to say Max Scherzer, but we're not saying yeah. Max Scherzer. Uh, I don't know if you caught any of that. Out tonight, tonight, a little bit. 
Yeah, no, I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't. Fl- I usually, you know, we talk about, you know, you know, the long games. I'm usually flipping around. So, you know, if there's a long at bat or I, I just flip to another game, you know, or I'll have the the matrix on and I can watch the game where the action is. Uh, I didn't. I didn't happen to be flipping around a, a whole lot tonight, trying to do a couple other things, but uh, didn't catch any of Scherzer, the Scherzer Severino matchup, but the the pitching duel in the Subway Series did not materialize. More of a more of a slugfest. I don't know. Uh, Scherzer, the narrative wasn't even so much a narrative. Our, our, our friend and colleague Ron Chandler went to a lot of Mets spring games, and he said he was toying with the hitters with the pitch clock. You know, wait, waiting to the last second, then throwing it right. You know, just kind of playing with their heads. It's like, wow, he's going to take advantage of this. hasn't hasn't manifested over into the regular season. Um, Luis Severino, have we forgotten how good he was a couple of years ago? I think, um, I, th- I think I have as far as, <laughs> as far like I haven't forgotten. I'll give him credit for that. But, yeah. um, you know, there's someone who, yeah, 298 ERA and almost 200 innings in 2017. The next season he wins 19 games, 339 ERA and almost 200 innings, which is great. But it that's been it's been a long time since yeah. then. 2019, three starts. 2020 didn't appear. 2021, six innings. Last season, 102 innings. And he was pretty good. Actually, pretty good last season. This season, not so much. Uh, you know, one quality start and now five tries, and the last three starts have all been pretty bad. Walks yeah. and home runs. The velo's down, and the, and the, the stuff just isn't as crisp. The breaking ball, the, there's not as much. Yeah. I don't think. I think he's afraid to throw with the same torque, and probably, right. maybe, maybe rightfully so. Maybe rightfully so. But uh, I, he may be a guy I'm more interested in next year than this year. But um, let's start with lower. Let's go through some of the news before we get into some of the, sure. some of the ball games. You wanted to talk a little bit. I know we're contractually obligated to talk about our, our fab leagues and LA de la Cruz, uh, we got, which segues into a little bit of LA de la Cruz in general. Um, I'm not in the main event. I'm in a TGFBI, which is my main event, which is not going so well, by the way, uh, at least for me, one of those years, uh, you know, we'll, there will be no extended two-peat for me uh, this year. Someone else will have to win it for the second time other than me, at least this year. But uh, he went for a little over 400 in my TGFBI league. De La Cruz did, was not in on the bidding. Um, did you notice anything? Was there anything wacky in any of your leagues? No, I saw him. I saw a 610, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I, I got him in one league out of about four or so where I had no, actually one league. He wasn't available. Someone had already picked him, but anyways, drafted and held, held him, but good for them. Um, anyways, I picked him up in a league for about three fifty or so. That league was just a league where a lot of people had spent. And there wasn't a lot left. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm interested to see where this all goes. So he has multiple strikeouts again tonight. So he has played eight games by the end of tonight, and he will have had multiple strikeouts in five of them. He's also got five steals, so that's good. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where his batting average goes if he keeps striking out to this degree. Uh, you know, like, I'm optimistic that he can be helpful in fantasy, at the very least, maybe in the same way Anthony Volpe is helpful, or maybe a little better than that, where, you know, the player produces a lot of homers and a lot of steals, but maybe a low batting average. Maybe not that low, but low. Um, but with his, we'll see with De La Cruz, what the strikeout rate's like and therefore what the batting average is like. Where are you with the 
possibility that he gets sent back down? Um, I, I guess it's possible, but I don't know. I don't think you. I don't think he will. Like, unless, well, again, unless he stinks. So if De La Cruz, like, if he strikes out two or three times a game for the next two weeks every night, sure, maybe he gets sent down. But I believe he was brought up with the, like, firm intention to keep him up. I think, I don't know, I usually feel like if prospects on this level, like really, really top prospects, I usually find they mostly come up and stay up. I know we could find some who didn't, but I find they mostly come up and stay up. So I think he'd have to have a 100s batting average. Like you see the Yankees still haven't sent Volpe down and they say they're not going to. The batting average going into tonight was 186. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like De La Cruz is up for good. I don't know. What do you think? No, I do too. Um, it's, my, I guess the bigger, you know, the kind of like the question I is, is we know he strikes out a lot. We just ooh, that's just what he is, but yep. it's what he does between the strikeouts is yep. why he's up yep. and he's doing that. Unless unless there's sort of a a total lack of confidence where you can just sense maybe he's making errors in the field or you know, I I'm not in the clubhouse, but you just feel as if he's pressing too much. Maybe then you send him down to get the confidence back. But it's not as if he's gonna go down at triple A and learn not to strike out. Nope. You know, the only way he's going to do that is continue reps at the major league level. And I, I think he's up. And, you know, if he hurts one's batting average, then you you need – if you didn't plan on that with your 610 or $488 bid, that's on you. you right? That's right. I mean, yeah, that's the chance you were taking. Like, yeah, the one the league where I really chased De La Cruz was just a league where my team has a, a fair amount of pitching points, not a ton of hitting points, needed a hitting spark plug. He kind of seems like the guy. I don't think another spark plug at that level, like possible spark plug where you could get like really massive counting stats. Like I don't think it, we're going to see another one of those. So I so I bid and I got him and I had enough fab to do it and I got him. And if he stinks, then he stinks and I won't make it up into the money in that league. But what that team needed was someone to really spark the offensive stats. Here's a guy who could do it. And I mean, he hasn't even played well the last two nights and he's got two steals in those two games. So that's the kind of thing that, that we're talking about with his possibilities. But um, in general, like in my labor league, for example, where fab is, as we know, precious, because it's a hundred dollar league, no $0 bids. And my team's doing well in that league. So I'm kind of in it for long haul. Like I was not willing to just empty my budget and have like $12, $15 left for the rest of the year. I wouldn't have got him anyways in the end, but I wasn't willing to do that. I wasn't willing to totally sell it, but on certain teams where he fit, then I was willing to like, like we do know about, you do know by now where you need to make up ground. So yeah, I, I think he fits for some teams. I am putting out an article tomorrow in Yahoo uh, that says maybe there's a sell high opportunity in some leagues, maybe not expert leagues, maybe, but maybe there's a sell high opportunity in some leagues with him because I've seen some people play. Would you rather with De La Cruz and other shortstops? And I'm, I'm good with De La Cruz, but I'm kind of shocked at some of the shortstops where they, actually debate would you rather right well we can we don't have to point much further than his teammate mac mcclain who first five games three strikeouts to strikeout three two 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 and i'm surprised he's up to 330 mac mcclain now and he's not going to sustain it obviously but the point being it'd be i mean mcclain's a little older be a little bit patient these strikeouts do level off and and good things will continue to happen uh, or should happen for for LA De La Cruz, no doubt about it. Yep. Um, 
I haven't checked, you know, is he beating beat on fastballs? Is it breaking stuff? But yeah, as you know, it's a game of adjustments. And if they're if they're getting in with breaking ball, once he starts to hit a couple, they'll they'll have to throw more fastballs and things yeah. will be different again. Um, now, one of the under the radar recent promotions is was Darren Blanco from the Royals. Thirty uh-huh. year old outfielder. What are we doing talking about a thirty year old outfielder on the Kansas City Royals? Well, he had been promoted with was it 49 steals 47 steals you know like that a ridiculous number of steals in a third of a season small amount of games almost like a steal a game yeah a third of a season seven steals in 49 games 47 in 49 games (laughs) this year after 45 and 107 games last year and 41 and 117 games the year before so we're talking about someone who if you projected them out over a full mlb season if they're minor league paces, you'd be looking at, well, this year you'd be looking at like a 150 steel player, but even the last two years, you'd be looking at like a 55 steel player, something like that. Well, yeah, you throw in the, the, the MLE uh, translation yeah. at 30 year old and but, you know, the, the on they, base drops. But, yeah. But like I'm saying the, like, you know, at first glance, you look at 40 steals and you're like, Oh, that's really good. Then when you look at how many games he played to get the 40 steals, yeah. you realize like, oh my gosh, that's not like a major league season of 40 steals. This is, we're talking 40 steals in just over a hundred games. Yeah, that was silly. So yeah. the Royals, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, they released Hunter Dozier. A couple of days ago, they released Jackie Bradley. Uh, Edward Olivares isn't anybody's way, right? Uh, Drew Waters, even when he came off the IL, he's still, it, it, there's, there's playing time. A pathway for Blanco is what I'm trying to slur. And, all right, he may run into a homer now and again, but those are some game-changing stolen base numbers. Is he a mixed-league guy for you? Is he just the AL only to get some steals and trade? Or where does he fit in fantasy-wise? I think for him to be a mixed-league guy, I'm going to need to see some playing time. So he is starting tonight. He is hitting ninth. Uh, He did get a hit and a walk, so maybe that'll get him – some additional opportunities. I think for him to be a mixed league guy, like obviously if he's playing every day, he's probably a mixed league guy just on the steals potential. Um, And he does have a bit of pop 14 homers each of the past two seasons. He only had three last year or sorry, this year so far, but, but 14 in each of the last two seasons, I know he's old for the levels, but still the ball still has to leave your bat and get all the way over the outfield wall. So he he can do that. He's not a total slap hitter. Um, Yeah. I think if he's going to play five days a week, He's a mixed league guy. If he's going to play start two days a week and pinch hit a couple of times a week, then he's not. Then he's an AL only guy. So I think we'll know by Sunday in fab leagues, um, you know, what kind of playing time we're talking about. I mean, he's an easy one because he was called up so early in the week. We'll see where things go here over the next few days. But um, if he starts, say, three of the next four games and you need steals, like I think you throw at least a small bit at him. Yeah, for sure. And Right-handed batter, which I think sometimes helps. Actually, this is a study I want to do. Is with all the with in, with the increase in stolen bases, are there more steals proportionally more steals against lefty pitchers, especially with the pickoff right. not being as prevalent or as as effective? I just because you know right now in you know I'm programmed. All right, um, I'm not going to use this guy in DFS because he's a stolen base guy and he's going up against a left-handed pitcher. I'm just it's just kind of Pavlovian not to use him. I wonder if that needs to be readdressed. But the point being, uh, even if he's hitting ninth and I want steals, I'm okay with that. I'm more, I'm more interested if he's going to be a platoon. But it's not like there's a left-handed bat 
in Kansas City with which for him to platoon. No, no, that's true. No, yeah. I think, like you said, I think there's at least an opportunity probably hitting low in the lineup for him to to play often. Um, your point on left-handed pitchers is interesting because one of the Yahoo articles I've been doing this year, I try to recommend some streamers for steals right. in chunk in, twice a week. And so, so then to do that, I often track, you know, which pitchers have allowed a lot of steals, which catchers have allowed a lot of steals. Cause ideally, you know, you find some, you find a battery combo that seems like they're going to allow some steals. You find a speedy guy on that team who will likely be in the starting lineup and away you go. Um, there are some lefties on that list. Some guys like Rich Hill, Patrick Corbin, um, you know, who have allowed a lot of steals this year. Aroldis Chapman, actually, he's allowed, he's one of the league leaders in oh, steals. Yeah. Um, Stephen Matz has allowed a lot of steals this year. So there are some lefties up high on the list. So I think you raised a really good point there. Yeah, it's definitely worth investigating. For yeah. I, I do uh, I do something similar with ESPN. It's interesting that we that we focus on the deep leagues for Rotowire and maybe on the uh, points leagues for our, 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 our other work at respectively uh, freelancing at Yahoo and ESPN. So I uh, we look into that. I mean, 75% of people play points leagues. But you get a guy that steals a couple bases in a night, that's useful. He's, those are points, you know. And I, yep. I do the same thing. I look for the, uh, the the good matchups. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, let's see. There's some, uh, there's kind of, I'm trying to think how this folds into some of the, the tout tables we've done uh, recently about uh, disappointing players and how we go about identifying disappointing players. And the latest one, what was done was uh, batting average and who to look at for uh, batting, helping batting average. And one of the things that I mentioned, I wrote about on Rotowire was one of the things you, to do is make sure you have an issue in the first place. If you have a guy like say Michael Harris on your team, is the problem at least in part going to correct itself? You may not need to go out and get Lewis Arise. So, you know, we'll talking a little bit about Harris in particular, but this idea in general, uh, what are, when you, a young player, obviously, uh, man, the num- the translations were great, the stats were great, uh, didn't hasn't worked out so well. How do you go about the patience with Harris? What are you looking for? And he's showing signs. Are we going to see second half Michael Harris from last year, this year? I know you don't have a crystal ball. I mean, but anyway. So I think it's, I think that's unlikely, but I guess it's possible. Um, second half Michael Harris, like last year was really good. Um, but he's another guy. He can stuff the stat sheet really fast. Like he's, he's stunk so far this year, but he's still kind of on pace for, I don't know, say 10 homers and 16 steals, some of that, which isn't good, but it's, it's replacement level in, in a lot of mixed leagues. So, um, you know, the batting average has obviously been terrible, but yeah, he's someone who's been turning it around. I recommended him in a trade article at Yahoo a couple weeks ago as a buy low, try to get him from someone who's just fed up, especially in shallower leagues where he's more replaceable if he doesn't come around in the next month. Um, but yeah, he's showing some signs. I think the buy low window is maybe a little open in some leagues, but starting to to close. Um, I, I think he was overdrafted a bit, but I, I think he could come back to be someone who's who's pretty usable, where he racks up his share, plenty of homers, plenty of steals. Maybe the batting average is just okay. He's in a good lineup. Um, the fact that he has you know twelve RBIs and seventeen runs pretty pretty bad but if he starts playing better that lineup he can score a lot of runs yeah now the strikeout rate at 23.5 you don't love but mm-hmm. that's palatable yep that's absolutely yep. palatable palatable and what's interesting what's curious is the 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 knock on harris was he can't hit left-handed pitching and he may fall into platoon short stats the book um, you know, you can't you can't judge such a small number of stats. However, he's hitting left-handed batter, left-handed pitching better this season. Mm-hmm. It's right. It's, he's actually hitting them what you would hitting lefties how you would hope. He's just as you mentioned, just terrible against right-handed pitching, which you know, I mean, kind of tells me there there should be an organic bounce back. I uh, yep. all he has to do is 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 pick up the platoons. Pick, you know, hit what he's supposed to be doing, and we could be there. Uh, maybe the injury fed in a little bit. The hard hit rate, there's a little bit of bad luck looking at StatCast and expected, but his hard hit rate is down. 
Michael Harris's is. So I, we don't have that argument in total to use. He's just been unlucky. Well, he's been a little bit unlucky, but he also hasn't hit the ball as hard. But um, we, I, I don't, I don't remember if you answered real. I mean, you know, real quickly, how does how does Fred go about? improving batting average when necessary. So, so I think that's a really good point as you, I did put a comment in the table about just addition by subtraction and rather than having to trade for Luis Arias, maybe you look for people you need to get off your team to have a better batting average going forward. Um, depends who they are, obviously, and what they're contributing elsewhere. But one of the things, I, I think what the point you raised is really good. Um, before you decide to change your bat, to change, make a trade, or say drop players and add other players in an effort to improve batting average, um, make sure that you haven't just had a collection of players who have been mostly unlucky. Um, that's easy to say, but see if you can prove it. So for example, an easy way to do that is just look at the stat cast data for your players and see what their expected batting averages have been so far in relation to their batting averages. Like for example, uh, going into tonight, Michael Harris had a 205 batting average, but a 242 right. expected batting average. Doesn't mean he's going to hit 242 from this point forward. It's just kind of saying that last that this year he's been a little unlucky. Last year his expected batting average was about 30 points under his average. Kind of saying last year he was a little lucky. So we're looking at a guy who year over year has about a 90 point gap in his his batting two batting averages. But his X batting averages are only about a 25 point gap. So it's saying he's a little closer to the same player in both years, maybe than his batting average indicates. Um, if you have several players who are Michael Harris like, where the XBA is way higher than the batting average, um, and very few players who are the opposite, then as you said, maybe your batting average problem really isn't a problem and it's going to come around. Uh, same thing if, if you felt like you could deal Luis Arias or someone like that. You're like, oh, I'm, do I'm sitting pretty in batting average. I can deal him away. Well, before that, maybe check the XBAs for some of your other hitters who have been doing really well in batting average and just make sure that they seem – look at their strikeout rates, right? Look at their hard contact rates and just see if it looks like it's sustainable. I had a Tout Wars team about 10 or 11 years ago that absolutely stunk until almost this point in the season. And when I looked at the players and I looked at – now, we didn't have StatCast data at the time, but when I looked at the players and I looked at their advanced stats – like they just looked like the unluckiest bunch. Like they weren't playing bad. They were just like a collection of low BABIPs and, and things like that. And I kind of decided in the end I'd stick with them and my team totally rallied. But you can't always do that. It doesn't always work. But at least look at the advanced stats and see, like you said, like are you actually are you actually struggling in batting average because your team isn't good at batting average or is it because you haven't caught some breaks so far? And similarly, if you're – close to a team ahead of you, they may they may have caught a couple of lucky hitters right who could regress. And they're that's the thing with batting average in the area and whip, it can come to you, right? They could they yep. you, you can gain in batting average and well it's easier to say this in pitch, pitching. You can gain pitching points and not even have a guy pitch that night. You you better have a batter pit bat that night. You're really yeah. in trouble. But the yeah. point being teams get uh the, the same thing could happen to teams right above you and come down to you. So, yep. I mean, we still want to, and we did discuss ways to improve batting average, but I think it is imperative to make, to gauge the level of your problem to begin with. Yeah. Um, like you said, to, other teams can come back to you and that yeah. doesn't happen in the cumulative categories. Like if you're, if you're yeah. 10 homers behind someone, you're going to need to make up those 10 homers and they're going to hit more homers, but you're going to need to, even if they don't, you're going to need to make up the 10 homers in batting average. You can be three batting average points behind someone 
and you don't need to make up three batting average points. You might only need to make up one. They might come back down toward you. You might not have to make up any. They might just come all the way back down towards you. Yep, and you kind of alluded to it. I think you're thinking it, but we'll come out and say it. We're a little more than a third of the way through. So we'll, let's say we're a third of the way through the season. Yep. And let's say that you're, you know, all right, five more homers and I've got three more points. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't need five homers because, as you said, they're still hitting. Yep. You prorate that out. That's 15 homers in, by the end of the season that you have yep. to you have to get make up the 15 and then get the, the homers, the extra homers. So just something to keep in mind. And there's far too many you know days left in the season to start doing that math. Because so much can yep. happen, clearly. Yep. Uh, but anyway, I mean, it's just something to keep in mind. It's not as easy to move in the counting stats as you think, because like you said, your, the teams aren't stagnant. They're they're continuing to garner stats. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe towards the end of the year, this category management becomes more of a thing. Right now, I'm still in just bully up mode, and I'll manage later on in the season. I, I look at matchups, but I don't. Unless it's a really good stolen base scenario for half a week in the NFBC, you know, I'll put my best players in. You know, I'm not going to waste a Noah Syndergaard start and not have my speedster in there for those three or four games set. But if I'm behind in steals, I don't try to catch up in steals in the middle of June. That's right. Yeah, I I still think at this time of the year, you're still mostly looking for pure talent. Volume, yeah. Yeah, and volume. Like you said, yeah. I like yeah, volume and um and also though, like if I'm picking looking to pick someone up, like I'm looking at, you know, how like pure like I say, like pure talent. How good of a player are they? You know, how well do I think they can like how how good can they be over the rest of the season? And, you know, sometimes we fool ourselves into saying, you know, oh, I really need steals or oh, I really need batting average or whatever. And sometimes your team comes around without you moving in that direction. If we get desperate in June to move in certain directions with certain categories, I just don't think it's a great idea. I could maybe set in your last lineup spot and you're like, Oh, I really need to catch up in power. I think I'll my last lineup spot or my couple, last couple lineup spots. I think I'll go a little more power when I'm choosing between these two players. Sure. Whatever. But you know, but someone could be like, Oh, you know, I got steals. I got steals. I'm good. I don't, I, I'm going to kind of sway away from that bench, some better players or trade away some better players or, or not sign someone who I think would be really good because it, I don't need their steals. And then all of a sudden your Asturi Ruiz ends up on the IL or your Wander Franco ends up on the IL yep. or, or your Wander Franco steals two bases in July in June or something in, yep. in July. And you're like, wait, I was counting on him. So <laughs> I'm still mostly at this point, like up until, you know, late July, at least I say, I'm still just looking for overall good players. For sure. Um, Let's uh, let's, let's switch to pitching for a little bit. Bryce Miller is an interesting talking point for a couple of reasons. Uh, The whole strength of opponent argument you, we could make, he's pitched really well against some good teams. Hasn't pitched so well. The couple of starts against some lesser teams. I'm, I'm, Pitched well against lesser teams and pitched. That's right. Uh, didn't pitch very well against ex- the almost good exactly teams. what you would have expected. He yeah. is like he is like the the opposite of Kyle Gibson this year. At times, he's done the exact opposite of what you expected. But you're right. Like he did shut out Houston for six innings, but other than that, you know, dominates Oakland, dominates but, Detroit, dominates Oakland again, dominates Miami, struggles against Texas, the Yankees, and Atlanta. Not struggles but, at least against Atlanta, but right. not great. But I mean, you mentioned Houston. I do the same thing. Their offense has been bottom third for most of the season. Yep. There was a time where 
the the athletics woba was i mean woba is, is what it is but as an example was higher than houston's houston's caught up yeah. but but it's, so we it's not the same offense but the other aspect with miller is the whole notion about 70 percent fastball um i don't trust that kind of repertoire i know he's developing the sweeper and the change etc 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 so we're i mean we have to, you kind of have the balance you know is it is it that he, he gets hit because he's not throwing more than seven or throwing 70 cent fastballs or has it been the strength of competition and the chances are it's a little bit of both here but um are you you know I mean, is this now a chance to sell high on miller now that he's coming off a good game uh, it could be for sure. And even that good game included three walks and walks yeah. were not a problem with him in his first few starts, but the last couple, two walks last start, three walks, sorry, three walks last start, two walks to start before that. So, um, so we're not seeing maybe as much of the pinpoint control. Also homers, no homers in those first five games. And then we got a two homer game, a one and a one. So um, yeah, I think, I think if, if you can afford to get rid of a pitcher, which not everyone can. I think trading Bryce Miller right now, again, I'm not giving him away, but uh, yeah, trading Bryce Miller right now for a closer, you know, if you need saves or trading him for a mid-level hitter, I think can make some sense. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I, I think that, that, I mean, it doesn't matter what name, if it makes sense for your team, I think we both agree you make the deal. I'm just, you know, looking for what Miller may do the rest of the season. I just, you mentioned the control, the command and control, good strikeouts and good walk, uh, good walks and good home runs early on. I know they were lesser teams, but if you can throw, if you can locate your fastball, you have more than one pitch, right? You've got a low and away fastball. You get a high and tight fastball. You know, you get a fastball that you can spot just off the plate and try to get some chase. So, I mean, it's called the same pitch, but if you can locate, you have more than one pitch. And with a new schedule, you're facing the same team fewer times. So the whole, you know, 70%. Yeah, get too used to my fastball. and Yeah. Yeah. So I am not as quick to sell high because I'm afraid Miller's going to fall off. I agree. I mean, if you can capitalize on the hype and people love rookies and especially the keeper league, I'll trade, you know, Miller for Garrett Cole every day of the week, right? I mean, you know, an unpredictable Garrett, et cetera. But um, uh, that is if I'm competing, uh, which unfortunately this year I'm not doing as much of. But um, I just – I think that it's it's kind of an interesting – I ran this by – who did I run this one by? Eric Halterman today during the XXM show. You're kind of in this boat too. Pitching uh, – actually, Spore, our, our guest that I asked him this question, Paul Spore. Pitching, it has it seemed to me it's just been harder – there's just been more wackiness, whether it's streaming or, or just, you know, your own team DFS, the pitching seems to be wackier, but then I'm wondering, is it that we know, or we think we know more information with StatCast and Brooks and all these other metrics and, 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 and analysis? Do we think we know more? So we think we know how it should end up. It's always been this wacky, but it just seems wackier because we think, we have a false sense of security that we have a better handle on it. I wonder if there's a little bit of that playing into us, into us as an, uh, evaluators. Yeah, I think I think that I think that could be something kind of playing into it for sure. And yeah, we've seen the blowups this year. I do feel like it's it's settled down a little bit. Although we still see guys like Chris Bassett get blown up tonight, who have been yeah. cruising along, having several good starts in a row. It's almost like you've just become 
I don't say you become immune to the feelings of the blow up, but uh, you just almost expect, uh, maybe not one a week, but you just expect to have the odd blow up. You're like, oh, yeah, there's my blow up, three innings, six runs or something like that. Like, you know, um, no, well, that just happens from time to time. So, and, and to all levels of pitchers, right? It's not, right. Just, it's not just like, oh, I'm playing too fast and loose. I'm using Jamison Tyone tonight or whatever, like kind of fast and loose, like shouldn't be using him if I'm protecting my ratio. So it's, um, it, it can be really good pitchers. And someone like Chris Bass is not really good, but he's definitely in most leagues good enough that he you pretty much just put him in. And then, you know, tonight, tonight he really struggled. So yeah, we, the blowups do seem to be happening. Um, yeah, we know more about pitching, like you said, than ever before, but yet there's these vehement disagreements about certain pitchers and where they're going to go from here. And Bryce Miller's like right at the top of that list. Right. I think we can, I think we think we can predict the blowups better than we can. Oh yeah. We can't yeah, predict I, the blowups. Yeah. And I think, that's, what, well. I think that, that's, that's our sense of security. Yes. Look, look at his, look at his uh, strikeout rate. Look at the, the sweeper, look at the vertical torque on this. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think we think we, the information makes us better at that, but it doesn't Someone like Bassett. I know it's you know, kind of off topic a little bit, but with his, I mean, He's he's a guy going to just leave in the lineup. I know he's going to get beaten a couple of games, mm-hmm. but he's also going to shut down the Yankees or another. Re- you know, he's going to shut down the. That's just the way he is. You can't time Chris Bassett, right? You just put him in the lineup nope. every week to get yep. you three point six. You don't try to get that three point two and lose the four point five stuff. It's not going to happen. No, nope, I agree. <laughs> yeah. he, he he jumped tonight from three point two nine to four point zero two. Whip is still good. He's got seven wins this year already. I know people will be like wins, blah, blah, blah. But part of the reason he has seven wins is because he had some really good starts. Like he had three starts in a row um, at one point in May of seven innings or more and zero runs allowed. He's had one, two, three, four, five starts this year where he hasn't allowed any runs. And all those starts he threw at least. He pitched into the seventh inning at least in all those starts. So, um yeah, you just leave him in. Like, if you want to take him out, if the Jays ever go to Coors this year, I don't even know if they do. But, you know, something like that, sure. Yeah. Other yeah, than that, sure. other than that, you just leave him in. And like you said, you just absorb this blow up, knowing that he could turn around uh, in his next start and throw six shutout innings. No, for sure. I mean, then then there's Julio Teheran, who every time he pitches, I wonder why I didn't, why I left Biotech. You know, remind me again why I decided to do this. It's Julio Teheran. Uh, there's a couple of things that happened during the games, and we, we, we want to talk a little about closers because there hasn't been a whole ton of, of closer movement, but there are some scenarios to touch on. But one of the interesting uh, scenarios in, in the Giants-Cardinals game this evening was both uh, Mitch Hanniger and J.D. Davis were hit by a pitch and taken out of the game. And in the note on Rotowire, uh, Luis Matos was removed early from his AAA game. Not because he got hit by a pitch, because he may be boarding a flight or a plane or a train or an Uber to uh, to join the Giants. Uh, I think that's happening. I mean, the, so the latest update on Mitch Hanniger is he's already been diagnosed with a fracture in his right forearm. Oh, man. So that's a – we'll see what the timeline is for that. Um, yeah, we'll see what the timeline is for that. He may end up being a drop in a lot of leagues. He's just a guy who's just – I was actually just writing about him and that, you know, maybe he could get healthy and get hot, but he's just a guy who's, you know, had 
just a lot of injuries in his career, some really good moments, but just a lot of injuries. And this year started with about three weeks on the three and a half weeks on the IL with an oblique injury. He's come back. He's done pretty much nothing since then four homers in, in 40 games, including tonight. And now the forearms, now he's going to be out for several weeks. I don't know. He just has not been able to get on track this year. Last year, 736 OPS, meh. You know, 11 homers in 57 games. Okay, sure. Batting average, not great. Like, I don't know. He hasn't been able to really get it going since the 2021 season. We drove in 100 runs. Um, I wonder if Mitch Haniger in is the 12s, he's a drop if he's got a fractured forearm. In 15s, yeah. I guess I'll see the timeline, but I think he probably is. And Luis Mato says, you said, uh, he could be the replacement. I don't know how much he'll end up going for this week, but it won't. If he's up, and if Hanager's out and they're going to play Matos, he, he's not going for 10 bucks. Like he'll be going for like something at least okay. Well, I mean, his numbers are every bit as good as De La Cruz's, and he's you know, similar, he's similar profile. Doesn't have the speed, but it is a similar profile. Uh, yeah, the thing with Hanager, I mean, we're all rooting for him because, you know, uh, beating some of the fluke injuries that he may have had. And he has shown, you know, the, the power in, he's always seemed to have played in you know, pitcher friendly parks or yep. home run suppressing parks and, and still manage some power, you know, like to see him in a, in a, in a hitter friendly park. But I think he's a drop in 15s at this point. I think, I, I think you just have to, um, you can't, you can't, I like the guy, you, you know, you, all right. In, in some leagues you can play that way, but you know, I'm rooting for him. Well, you can root for him, but he's not, he shouldn't be on your team. I think at this point, Yeah, I, um, I think so. I think so too. I, like I said, I'll wait for a timeline, but I think he'll end up being a drop everywhere. Now, all right, one, you know, all right, you drop him. Who are you picking up? Uh, we we talked a little bit about the Reds so far, and you mentioned in our in our conversations, and I I'm on I'm with you with this. TJ Friedel Friedel Friedel. I'll do the TJ part. All right, right-handed batter. You know, on a team that likes to use platoons, but wait, left hand, left-handed batter. I'm sorry, left-handed. Right, right. Yeah. He is, and I I did the same thing when I wrote him up. Uh, so forget. Look, we'll edit that in post. No, we won't. Mm-hmm. Um, that that helps him. Um, but I think you know the, the the point being though, there are enough injuries in Cincinnati that he may drop in the order against South Boss, But I think we may see Friedel have a regular job at least for a few weeks when when Sinzel and 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 some of these other guys maybe Will Myers. But we keep saying Will Myers. You know what Will Myers was doing before he got hurt? Nothing, right? I mean, you almost don't want him to come back. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you know, if you're dropping Henniger, TJ Friedel is someone I may not be available, but that's the kind of guy that you get to look for uh, at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's been a little lucky this year. 383 Babbitt going into tonight. That's where the 314 batting average comes from. His XBA is something like, I don't know, like 250, 260, something like that, which I think is probably more his true level. But that's okay. He's got an 848 OPS going into tonight. That can drop a lot. He could have a, he's got a bit of speed. If he had a 770 OPS, 780 OPS, that'd be great. And I'd have some speed with that. And as you said, there's not a lot of reason to platoon him. Now he hasn't had a ton of plate appearances in his career against lefties, but he has 52 of them and he's hitting 333 with a 933 OPS. That's pretty good. And, and, you know, he could, he could have that drop off a lot as the sample size grows and still be okay. Good enough to start against lefties. So yeah, I think he's an interesting guy. Like you said, like Nick Senzel's on his way back, should be back, about you know, by the end of the week for sure, maybe a little sooner than that, but Jake Fraley's out for a bit. Uh, there's opportunities here for Friedel, and 
I I think he's got not a lot of power, but he's got a good, a decent amount of speed and a little bit of power. So I think in a 15 team league, you know, he's someone who you should have in the lineup until the Reds get healthy because he'll probably play almost every day. And he's hitting, and he hit leadoff tonight. So right, right. Um, yeah, if he hits leadoff against righties and is eighth against lefties, which again they maybe shouldn't, because he's been okay in his career against lefties. So give him a little more of an opportunity. No, I so agree. Really, give him an opportunity. I I think we may see it. I'm all right. So there's a bunch of news that happened. I'll just kind of list it. We don't need you to hit on everything. We'll never get out of here. Um, of these of these items, which you know one or two strikes you the most for fantasy appeal or et cetera. So Ryan Mountcastle is on the IL with vertigo. Uh, Trevor Rogers was moved to the 60-day DL, but it's still unclear if it was just to get Archie Bradley, not a joke, onto the roster, and he's still coming back. He had a little bit of a setback with his non-throwing shoulder, but it may get Yuri Perez, if it is something more serious, keep Yuri Perez around for a little while longer. Joey Gallo's back. Nelson Cruz is back. Brandon Belt has finally moved to the IL. Uh, Danny Jansen has uh, been activated. A couple of these of uh, your the, the Blue Jays. And because I have to mention at least a little bit of Red Sox, uh, Justin Turner is going to play a little more first base. Kiki, Kike Hernandez is more of a utility guy now to help the defense, uh, which did not really help much tonight. What one or two of those items do you think the the, uh, the listeners will have the most fantasy relevance for their listeners? Yeah, the Rogers situation is interesting because from the last I heard when I was looking on Sunday – his injury was his non-throwing shoulder. Right. And okay, so that just seemed like, okay, maybe he misses a start and then the rehab assignment continues and he's back in a couple weeks. So like you said, maybe this is just procedural transferring him to the 60-day IL. I'll take a quick look and see, you know, what that puts his earliest return date on. I don't so think it changes it. It doesn't, eh? So you, well, yeah, you're right. It doesn't change it much. You're right. So all it's saying is that he'll be out about another week or so uh, because he went on the IL on April 21st. So, uh, yeah. So all it's saying, I guess, is that he's not going to return probably this week. Maybe next week he could return. So, um, yeah. So that one's, I don't know. He, he was bid on in some of my leagues. I put in small bids on him, but didn't really uh, didn't really come close to getting him. Uh, just he's been kind of beyond the injury. He's been kind of up and down the last few years. So so I didn't end up getting him. Uh, the Mount Castle one is interesting. Just vertigo. It's probably not a big deal. It's probably just another week. And then he comes back, but it's just not something that we're going to have a firm timeline on. It's, it's not like, you know, a sprained finger or something like that. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's the minimum for sure. Like we don't, we'll see where this vertigo thing goes. I mean, there have been players. It's been a career. Yep. Debilitating. Absolutely. And then there are some guys that you expected yep. to be a career. Oh, wait, he's back and you're happy, yep. Yep. right? You're, you're happy that he's back. It was like, whoa, I'm, you know, I dropped him for my fantasy team. Uh, but, you know, you, you know, their health is utmost, you know, in general. But, you yeah, know, that it's, it's kind of nice to have a little closure as to what was going on. But, yep. um, you know, hope he, you know, hope he comes back as quick as, as he can. Like you mentioned, there's a few, uh, there's a few closing, closer, Conundrums, a little more than we normally have at this point. Uh, Ryan Helsley is now on the IL, kind of the co-closer with Giovanni Gallegos. I think it's pretty clear that Gallegos is is now, well, he remains in that role. But does someone like Jordan Hicks become the co-closer, or is now Gallegos the man? Mm, my my gut says that Gallegos is the man. So to 
put that in perspective, Gallegos has eight saves this year. Helsley has seven. No one else on the Cardinals has a save. Right. So, and then the rest of them, when you look at Jordan Hicks, four, I know ERA doesn't tell a lot of the tale of all of it, but Jordan Hicks, 473 ERA, you know, 21 walks. Um, yeah, when I look at the other options in the bullpen, they're not very good. Uh, you know, Genesis Cabrera has got an ERA around five and a half. Like, they just aren't very good options. So, no, I think Gallegos is the guy. And for those who have him, have been holding on to him, uh, you know, I say you could have, we'll see how long he's in for, but next few weeks you could have someone who's really valuable. Cause he's, he's a good pitcher. His ERA yeah. can sometimes not be super low, but his whip is always really low. No, exactly. And yeah. if nothing else, this, this, this hurts the bridge to get to the ninth inning. Cause it, it's right. a lot of times you use Gallegos and, 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 uh, healthy together. And, you usually think of the Cardinals, oh, well, they have a great bullpen, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they don't. So we'll see if they go out and make moves uh, to strengthen it. But that, to me, is the bigger thing, is, is yep. the, the conduit to uh, to the ninth inning. Um, we got Pete Fairbanks again and Jason Adam. And you posed a question to me in our little notes as far, you know, when Fairbanks comes back, what do we do with, you know, is it him or Adam? And you know the thing on Twitter where the little girl says, why not both? Okay. That's that's been my approach all year because that was one of, I mean, I, I waited on saves and I purposely tried to get both of them. Now it's a matter of trying to figure out which one to use. Uh, but you know, we're still in that. I think I prefer to have Fairbanks active if I have them both, but I don't I don't trust Fairbanks to stay healthy. No, at this point, it's hard to. Yeah, that was more my question was because uh, because that would also direct how how you handle them on the trade market, et cetera. Is just who do you feel like will get more saves the rest of the way between Fairbanks and Adam? If you think it's Adam, then you know he's a hold if you got him, and maybe you go after him if Fairbanks gets a save or two. There's an interesting play in trading leagues if Fairbanks got a couple saves, go after Adam under the premise of like this guy's run as closer is done. So. I'll take him as a middle reliever and, you know, give you a little bit for him, but he's not going to be a closer now. Fairbanks is back. And then if you don't trust Fairbanks' health, then all of a sudden you've got Adam when Fairbanks ends up getting hurt. Uh, so that was my interesting question is who will get more saves the rest of the season, Fairbanks or Adam? Fairbanks has already dealt this year with a right with right forearm inflammation before he dealt with this left uh, hip inflammation. Um uh, I think I'm if I could have one of them on my team, I think I'll roll the dice with Fairbanks. That's I'm, a tough one. All right. I think it depends a little bit on what you know what their purpose is on your fantasy team. Are they your they're they can't be your number one closer because they just can't be. I think it, I, I almost would rather have Adam because in this regard, and this is how I'm managing my teams, because I don't you don't need as many saves as you did two, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Whereas you needed 90 to compete in, in the online championship, you may only need 70 or 60 to compete at this point, just the way there's more spread out. The point I'm getting at is I don't think the, the Rays are going to uh, you know tax Fairbanks as much as they may did before this previous injury. Yep. No, that, think, that, that's a really good point. And I so I think I think Fairbanks may get whatever what, what at this point what's it going to be thirteen to ten saves something like that, but I think if you're just looking for that third closer, 
to to get you some saves and protect your ratios, I think I may prefer Adam. Yeah, I could see that. It's really close. That's why yeah, kind of yeah. why I posed the question. Also, Adam is someone who like has given up a fair a lot of walks. His FIP is real is a lot higher than his ERA. And everything I just said about Adam also applies to Fairbanks. So neither one of those pitchers, they've both been lights out in the ERA category this year, but neither one of them has been lights out, you know, when you look a little deeper into their stats. So it's also even hard to differentiate, you know, who you think the the better pitcher is of the two. So, yeah, yeah. no, for sure. And I, I mean, Fairbanks has been hurt a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, which, which, which feeds into it all. Tampa does such a great job. Mm-hmm of putting their players in, in positions to succeed as well. I do. I do think as an aside on the saves category this year that I don't know this year, I feel like the saves category has been pretty stable. Maybe I need to no, take it. Yeah. Like, like, first of all, there's nothing, there's not nothing on waivers, but it's hard to find saves this year on waivers, obvious ones. It's hard to find obvious ones, but even semi-obvious ones. And then on top of that, I think most of the, players who were drafted as closers good closers are still closers right like if like the guy that you took in you know who was sharing a role or like like you probably knew didn't have the skills but you took him around 20 if he doesn't have very many saves then whatever but and and not all the guys who are drafted as closers have a lot of saves but most of them like Devin Williams only has 10 that's kind of disappointing it's not his fault he's only had 11 chances he's the closer he's getting most of his team saves like he's fine like most of the closers that we drafted this year so far have been have held the roles and like I say some have about 10 saves some have closer to 20 but they still have the roles it has not been closer chaos really this year so far and a lot of teams have a secondary closer who's already drafted who's getting the three or four that you may expect um and you you mentioned Williams uh David Bednar you know he got like six saves in the first seven days of 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 June so these these things happen They, they they just they just happen so I mean Williams, I'm not lowering my projection. You know, whatever. He's, he's still the yep. as you mentioned, he's still the main guy. Um, could Rossi, easily could easily get the most saves in the league from this point. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Yep. Um, you, you mentioned a uh, little bit of a blow up, well, a lot of bit of a blow up by uh, Rysel Iglesias the other night. Kind of came as a surprise because it was Detroit that laid it on him. Yeah. Um, AJ Minner has been pitching better lately. Mm-hmm. Nick Anderson. Um, I'm guessing I know the answer, but I mean, is you concerned if you have a Glacies to this point, or is just one of those nights? I'm gonna say one of those nights. I, I don't think I am really concerned. Um, yeah, he hasn't been like his absolute best. I guess there have been moments too where his velocity's fluctuated. Uh, his six walks in 15 innings is high for him, but strikeouts are still there. Um, I think he's probably fine. But as you just mentioned, like there is no shortage of options if they want to go away from him. Like Minter didn't have a good start to this season, but he's traditionally been a really good reliever and he's gotten things back on track. Nick Anderson has been terrific. And if, uh, if, if Iglesias were to suffer at any point, like a long-term injury or something like that, I think it's, it's obvious right now they could turn to Nick Anderson. He'd be totally good. He said 29 to three strikeout to walk. He'd probably be, really good as they're closer. So I'm not really worried about Iglesias. I think this is what he's there for. I think when they brought him in last year and asked him to set up for Jansen, you know, he was told this would be your role this year, unless he really stinks. Uh, I think that he'll get to hold the role. No, I agree. And um, it is nice. You know, whereas I'm keeping Adam, 
I had Minter. That was my plan. Let's get some saves out of Minter. Didn't know yep. he crushed my ratios, but yes. I, you know, I, I have, I have let Minter go. Although I do have him some draft champions, but that, that was the plan. And I got, I got my six saves, but I also lost six points in ratios. That's just the way it goes. Like you said, you, you take yep. the chance. Yeah. Um, should we be thinking about the Diamondbacks now? My research shows that all right, everybody gets saves, right? Forty-five to fifty-five percent of all victories are saved and teams win at least 50 games, 60 games. So every team's going to get 25 or 30 saves. But with the Diamondbacks performing above yep. what we expected, should we be thinking more about their bullpen to target for saves? Yeah. Well, I think it depends at this point of on league size, but um, you know, it kind of looked like Andrew Chafin was, maybe the guy a bit he hasn't really done that much to lose the role though he hasn't been awesome but he still leads the team with eight saves but lately we've been seeing more miguel castro who also hasn't been awesome but he's been okay and he's got seven saves and then scott mcgoff who got off to a poor start this year uh he's kind of right of the ship now he's picked up a couple saves recently he has, has the lowest dra of those three uh and the lowest whip by a mile so um Maybe McGoff has now climbed back. So when I said there's not a lot of closer chaos this year, the Diamondbacks are the one of the few teams that is still fighting the good fight to maintain closer chaos because they don't know what to do with some of these guys. I'll use, I don't know. I, I think if I was going to use any of them next week or this week, I think I'd use Castro, but maybe I'd use McGoff. I probably wouldn't use Chafin. I'm using him in the Tail Wars draft and hold, but just more because it's a draft and hold like in a regular mixed league. I don't think I, I don't think I'd use them. Yeah. Well, I can, t- I'll take the hit on, um, oh, now I'm, now I'm drawing a blank. A Castro, uh, a recent Sunday, I needed him to get a save to where um, we're playing. I don't know if you guys do this at Yahoo. We have an internal head to head league that we're playing so that we have a feel for the strategy to write about it. Yeah. It's kind of a cool thing. So uh, up against Eric Carabell, head to head, and I needed to stay from Castro, and he got me negative points. This is the Sunday that he just blew up a couple of weeks ago. So I'm leading the league in points, but I haven't two the two vic, the two victories I needed, I uh, I did not you did not pull out. But anyway, so I'll take yeah. the hit on Castro. Yeah, McGuff was sort of the you know the sleeper, the the smarts, if you will, uh, closer to begin it, kind of like. Uh, Garcia last year with San Diego and it never materialized, but don't look now, but he's pitching well. He's kind of, as you kind of alluded to uh, Scott McGuff. Yep. So he's someone yep. to, I think, and I do, I think the answer to the question is yes, we need to keep an eye on that scenario. It may turn out that we, there isn't a guy to pick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could but, just be three headed monster yeah. going forward. You know, we, we kind of rotate Castro and McGuff if we need a righty, the odd time we it calls for a lefty, we go with Chafin. That could totally happen. It, it, that's what seems to be happening right now, which makes them all uh, in a mixed league. Like, I don't know. Maybe I roster one of them and hope he emerges, but I don't know if I really want to start any of them. Well, this is because why they're I mean, not. They're also not awesome. Like, if I'm going to start a reliever right. who's probably not going to get saves, it needs to be someone who's like, like I think is on pace to strike out 100 batters this year and also have an ERA in the twos or the ones or something. And the only one is Felix Felix Batista is I think 50 or 51st overall in strikeouts. Ah, 50. That's among starters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, that's just silly. Yeah. That means there's one one starter and then on 20 teams a second starter 
on average that have more strikeouts than a closer. That's just yeah. That's just dumb, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and he was heavily discounted at times in draft season because yeah. we were worried about him starting the season injured. So yeah, so just for reference, he has sixty four strikeouts. The next highest total for someone who hasn't started a game is Brian Abreu, who has fifty one. So this is where, like, in some leagues, I might just as soon use Brian Abreu as one of those Arizona relievers. The next mm-hmm. one's Matt Brash, who has 50 right on the nose. Um, he also has bad ratios, so you can't really use him. Right. And then we're under 50 there. Alexis Diaz, 49, etc. Trevor Richards, who has one start more of as an opener. He has success, 49 strikeouts now. He's turned his season around really well. Yeah. And can be considered um, in 15 team leagues. Like you could stream him just weeks. The Jays have seven games or something, or at least the way he's pitching right now. You, you, you are right. But yeah. I just, ah, I don't think I would do it. In fact, in a league, I'm streaming Nate Pearson this week just because I needed an arm and I yeah. didn't even consider Trevor Richards. But, but the numbers don't lie. Richards has been really good this year. And it is a good scenario. Uh, yeah. You know, you can get the vulture some wins. And yep. Toronto does have a deep enough of a bullpen where they, they don't. They don't have to have one take one for the team, or at least it won't be Richards, yep. Yep. Uh, which, which is always always a good thing. Um, and, you know, cheap plug, ESPN, we added holds this year to our point scoring, which is one of the reasons we're having this league. So, I, you know, one of the things I do every day is review bullpens, and I can say, well, um, so-and-so is pitched, you know, Canley Jensen may not pitch tomorrow, but it's still good to pick up Chris Martin because at the very least, if he doesn't close, he can get a say. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he can get a hold. So get a it's, hold. Just, it, yeah. it's kind of a nice and uh, a nice little addition uh, to that sort of thing. So we're at, we're at the, the usual hour. Have we uh, anything on your mind, Mister Zinke? Whether it's a player, or just something else you want to mention real quick before we sign off and uh, and call it a year. And I'll sp- talk to you again in a year. I think I think that one other player I'll mention here at the end, and he's from your neck of the woods, is Cutter Crawford. Um, a lot of experts uh, were really high on him for Fab on Sunday. He did have good numbers going into tonight. Now it's only four starts, but any relief appearances. But thirty-six to six strikeout to walk going into tonight's game. Tonight's game did not go well against Colorado, who you should be able to handle when they're not in Colorado. He walked three batters in four innings and gave up four runs. So I don't know where the jury is on Carter Cutter Crawford. I think I picked him up in one league, but I think I didn't have room to put him in my lineup. Um, I said better options. So, cause I was worried about him not throwing five innings. I just don't know where we're really going to go here. He had a couple of good starts in April that were five innings or more, but since then it's been relief outings. It's been three or four inning starts. He did throw 80 pitches tonight. That's if there's one, one encouraging sign, he threw 80 pitches. So if he stays in the rotation, I don't know. Were you one of these experts who was all interested in Carter Crawford? No, I, I mean, right now, I mean, it's cause I watched the team play. Yeah. Um, when, at the beginning when the announcers always say, and here's the Red Sox defense. Well, they're lying because they don't have one. <laughs> I mean, and so I mean, maybe. Here are know, the men is, who will stand behind the Red yeah, Sox pitcher. It, it's just horrible. And they made some moves tonight to to try to shore up the defense, and it didn't yeah. work. So, and Crawford was victimized. He was victimized by the defense. It's an interesting, to me, it's an interesting experiment that a team that is still in theory in the wild card scenario has gone James Paxton, James Paxton and some youngsters. Uh-huh. Part of it's uh, out of desperation, Chris Sale being out. But it's also putting Nick Pavetta and Corey Kluber in the bullpen. 
you know, That's it's, right. it's yep. giving the Whitlocks and the Crawfords and, well, Bayo, I think, is going to be there. Tanner Houck staying in the rotation. So I think they're going to give him a look. I don't think it was a bad, you know, what we say, process over results. I think the process was yep. fine. Yep. Uh, and it wasn't, he didn't even have a two-start week. I thought maybe that was a deal. It's a one-start week because someone yep. may be chasing a two-start week. I don't know how, do you, how you feel, but I prefer the, the guy with a better one-start week than a, Chasing a two, chasing a lesser two start pitcher nowadays. Yeah. Um, so Cutter Crawford seemed like he fit the bill, you know. Yeah, over Colorado. Yeah. Um, I know it's not a great park, but it's better than Coors, and it's Colorado on the road. But it didn't, uh, it didn't materialize. Like I said, I threw some ten, fifteen, twenty dollar bids on him in NFVC style thousand dollar fab leagues, and I think I got him in one league out of five or something like that that I bid on him in. Um, so I was kind of trying, but wasn't really making a full point of getting them. Yeah. I do find your Red Sox like kind of interesting. They're better than I thought they would be this year. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I do think they'll hang around. I, I find them kind of interesting. Right now. It's just they're right now. The, the, the bats are just so cold. It's just amazing. Yeah. Maybe it's just every team goes through fluctuations, Yeah, but because I watch it, it's more frustrating, but right now they just, all right, they're back at Fenway. They'll be fine. Well, not so much. Chase Anderson looked like Cy Young tonight. Just the, just just the way these things work out. Um, my, you know, from a Red Sox point of view, I hope that Hyam Bloom kind of learned his lesson, if you will, this past off season, and can and understands he can both spend and, you know, uh, be smart about the spending. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if he has or not, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. And yeah. man, I still expect the Blue Jays to make a run. Me too. That that, that the pitching is just too good not to. And the bats, I mean, I still look at, I still look at Rogers Center as you know, Coors Northeast mm-hmm. it hasn't been that way. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, the 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 lineup just hasn't done it yet. And we talk about our our fantasy teams, and you know, I'm not performing as well as I want. Take a look at the standings. You know, that team's going to be better. That team's going to be worse. Well, the players on those teams are going to get better. Yep. And on yeah. those teams are going to get worse, which is going to shuffle up your fantasy standings too, right? So, yep, absolutely. The Jays batting at the Jays, for example, in categories such as batting average, slug, uh, way better when there are not runners in scoring position so far this year than when there are. That's just an easy sign that this whole thing will level out. Typically, teams don't go a full season with what the Jays are like right now in these massive gaps. With you know, with it, with or without runners in scoring position, they, we have those stretches for two weeks a month. All teams do. You get frustrated. We're not scoring. I know it's because we're not hitting with runners in scoring position. We have to fix something. No, you don't. Just keep playing baseball. It'll sort of, it'll, you know, the it'll, your the luck will even out. It's just it hasn't yet for Toronto. I still think. No, it'll. okay. Yeah. Clutch, clutch is over overblown for sure. And yeah, these guys didn't forget how to knock runners in. Yeah. Over the winter, so they'll, yeah. they'll be fine. And now that we've each said our little piece about our own uh, our own favorite teams, uh, thank you, Fred, for joining. Uh, you know, for well, joining for taking your regular spot, putting up yeah. with me. Uh, it's uh, been a pleasure as always. And uh, I don't know that we're in a whole lot of leagues, so maybe we oh. won't be talking a lot of trade uh, this this year. But eh, we'll we'll figure something out down the line. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, who's the Wednesday pod? I should know this. Uh, James. James, it's yeah. James Anderson. Yeah, with uh, with the prospects. James so will James will be with you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'll be with you with Tristan on Thursday, and I'll be with Clay Link for the normal Friday two start pod. So a lot of me, a lot of me this week. 
looking looking forward to that. So thanks again, everybody. Uh, Rotowire Fantasy uh, Fantasy uh, Sport. It, we're not signing off of XM. I don't have to say That's that. That's right. That's All right, right, let me just let's just go. It's getting late. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.